0: Welcome to the Victory Orlando podcast. We exist to reach people with the life-giving message of Jesus and to connect them with their purpose. To learn more about us, visit us at victoryorlando.com. Thanks for listening. We pray that you are encouraged and inspired by today's message. Week number four, the conclusion of our series called Life, Money, and Hope and I hope you've been encouraged by it. I hope you've been challenged a little by it. Because every time we come to church, we should be challenged to be take that next step in our journey with God. And I know I have in my own life. And um so it's it's been a great series. And uh we, we've done this series because I know like especially at this time of year, sometimes we can sometimes dig ourselves into a hole financially, <laughs> or maybe you know, we end up in different places. That's kind of been our our thought with this series, is that I man, sometimes in life. Life just brings us a dark place, a difficult situation. Sometimes it's our own fault. Sometimes it has nothing to do with us. It's just that's what happens in life sometimes. And then what do we do? Because it's, it's easy in those moments to feel hopeless, to feel like there's no way out, whether it's emotionally, sometimes in our relationships, sometimes it isn't our money, or whatever it is, there's different things that happen. And just we need to know that there's hope. That's good. There's, there's hope for us. Amen? Come on. There's Hope for our situation, so it 's been my heart with the series is that we 'd begin to realize that there 's hope for the situation that we 're in. We just need to begin taking some steps when we begin following god 's voice and growing in where he 's called us to be so if you 've missed any of the weeks, I want to recap them real quick. Week number one, we talked about some real sound financial principles that are great that you know as people we 've accumulated knowledge about how to handle money and what to do with it, and if we were to take these financial principles, put them into work in our lives, they 'd begin to produce fruit and they 'd bring some freedom. But God just has some principles in his word that are just honestly higher than anything that we could figure out on our own. And what would our lives look like, what our finances, our relationships, our families, what would our future look like if we begin to live by those principles that he's calling us to rather than things we could figure out on our own. It It was awesome. Last, the second week, we talked about debt and how fun it is to get out of debt because being in debt is no fun. So we talked about getting out of debt. But even more than that, we talked about How do we get out of problems when we end up in this dark place? We end up in a hole. How do we get out? See, the the interesting thing is, is the process of how we got there, the principles, are the same, no matter what the situation is. And the same is true for the way out. The principles in the process are the same, regardless of what the situation is. So we talked about the way out last week. We talked about something that's incredibly fun. And that's intentional generosity, just that God has called us to live lives that of being intentionally generous. We're blessed to be a blessing. Say I'm blessed yeah. to be a blessing. Yeah. So I encourage you to hop on the podcast Get a refresher. Get on the website. You can check out the videos on there. Today, the word of the Lord is the first matters. Everybody say the first. The first matters. First, it matters. What's amazing about God's word? Well, one of the things that's amazing about God's word, because there's honestly a lot of amazing things in there, but... One of the amazing things about Scripture is that there's themes that are woven all the way throughout Scripture, all the way from the beginning, the very beginning of the book, all to the middle, and then all the way to the end. There's themes that are woven all throughout. their themes like love, like God's love. It's a theme that you see when you were to read Scripture. So if you were to sit down and read the Bible cover to cover in one setting, some of you are like, you can do that. You can do it. There's Bible reading plans you can get, like on the YouVersion Bible app, where you could actually read the entire Bible in 60 or 90 days. And I just encourage you if you, like it take you about an hour a day to read, read through that, but man, it, would, it just gives you a completely different perspective of God's Word, and you begin to see some of these themes. You begin to see love woven all the way from the beginning, all the way to the middle, all the way to the end. You see themes like giving and generosity and that's a, a dominant theme in the Bible all the way through. You see a theme like light, like light, like some of the first recorded words we have in the Bible are God saying, "Let there be." Light, there's light all the way through the Bible. It's amazing. You'd see all these themes throughout the Bible. What's, what's even more interesting, just that there's themes like, great, they all work together. they never never in opposition. They're all flowing and working together to produce something what would that be? It would be to produce something inside of us, those that are part of God's family, and, and bringing more people into the family. It's awesome. And one of these themes is something I want to talk about today in this series as we conclude the series. I believe it's one of the most powerful principles as, as Jesus followers that we can put to play in our lives, and it's called the principle of first. The principle of first, right? Because the first matters. What we do first matters. How do we know what's first in our lives, right? Because Truthfully, all of us have something in our lives that's first. We just It may be different things, right? How do we know what's first in our lives? Okay, well, where do your thoughts go? The first time, oh, my thoughts constantly go there. That's probably an indication of something that's first in our lives. Where's our passions? What am I passionate about? When I, when I get to do something like, where does my heart go to? Like, That's probably an indication of something that's first. You want to know what's first in your life? Look at your bank statement. You got quiet in the room. You want to know what's first and where are you spending money the most? Where do you spend the most of your time? Like indications of what's really first in our lives because the truth is all of us have a first in our lives and it may or may not be God, but God desires to be first because the first matters. So we're going to talk about this principle of first because the first affects the rest. And I want to Uh, talk about it through the lens of this idea of life, money, and hope. So I want to talk about the first through the lens of tithing and giving because what's interesting when you look at the principle of first in scripture, you see this principle woven all the way out through scripture and and every time it's tied to resource and possessions. It's interesting. So we're going to talk about it today in this and I I would say that when we get God first in our lives, everything else comes into order. That's a good place to say amen. All right. When we get God first in our lives... Everything comes into order, right? That's not to say we're not going to have problems because we know in this life we're going to experience difficulties. We're going to have challenges. We're going to have things that come our way that we're going to have to overcome. We're going to have those things. But when God is first in our lives, everything comes into order. We ain't got to sweat it because God is on our side, right? All right. So our theme verse for this series has come from the book of Haggai chapter 1. It says this, now this is what the Lord Almighty says, give careful thought to your ways. God is just saying, hey, pay attention to what you're doing. Don't just go through your life and be like, wow, how how'd I end up here? Give careful thought to your ways. Maybe some of this sounds familiar. You plant much, but you harvest little. You eat a lot, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you're not warm. You earn wages only to put them into a purse with holes in it. (laughs) That's a crazy thought. If you've ever lost a $20 bill, then you know the emotion of that statement. That happened to me once. We were going to see my daughter. She was cheering at a, a game at her school. And, you know, we, I stopped at the ATM to get the money to pay to get into the game. And I set it on my leg instead of putting it in my wallet. And sure enough, when I get, get up out of the car, I forgot that it was there. And then I'm like, babe, where's the money? I, and she's like, you had it. And then I realized I lost it. Yo, I was stressing. It was 20 bucks. This is just frustrating. If you've ever lost any money, you know the frustration, the emotion from those moments. And God is saying, hey, give careful thought to your ways because you're trying some things. You're spinning your wheels, and you feel like you're never getting anywhere. You have that frustration of, like, what's going on? Why can't I seem to get ahead? And God is saying, "Um, you're just trying some things that honestly are never going to work. All right. It's all right. So the principle of first, we're talking about principle of first. And so when we talk about tithing and we giving, I, th- I think it's important to have some common understanding, because as soon as I said that word tithe, all of us have an emotion, that emotional response to it. something inside of us has some indicator of our past experience with that. Some of us are like completely opposed to it, like. I like every time a pastor says that, like I am not doing that. Some of us just don't have an understanding of what that principle really is. But there's just a lot of bad information, a lot of bad examples out there about what the tithe actually is for and what it actually does. I would say this as a as a definition for us today is that tithing is returning ten percent to God through his church. Okay. So we're going to look at this through Scripture, through the principle of first, because every time we see this principle in play of what's first, it's always tied to a possession right there. So we're going to we're going to look at this. And whenever you want to see the most pure teaching of something, you know what you do? You find the first mention of it in Scripture. Here here again is the principle of first, right? So we want to find the most pure teaching on any principle. You want to find the most pure teaching on light? You go to the first mention of the word light in the Bible we know in Genesis. So we're going to find the first mention of this principle, the principle of first in Scripture. And it's all the way back at the beginning, Genesis chapter 4 and verse 3. If you've got your Bible, you can turn there today. It says this. It says, In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. Some really important words in there. But there's also some important words missing. Right? It doesn't say that he brought the first or the best. It just says, in the course of time, when he got around to it, Cain brought some offering to the Lord. Right, That's what he's saying here. And it says it goes on, he says, And Abel also brought an offering. Abel was his brother. So we have Adam and Eve. They had sons, Cain and Abel. So that's where we are in history. right? Abel brought an offering to the Lord. The fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. How many of you know, if you need to know if Jesus likes bacon, it's right there. Because the fat portions is where the bacon comes from. Jesus. Praise him. (laughs) We got to have a little bit of fun in church. Come on. So here's Abel, he's a shepherd, and here he's bringing the firstborn of his flock to best parts of what he has as an offering to the Lord. And look what happens. The Lord looked on favor with, to Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look on with favor. Do you see the principle in play there, the first? So Cain brought whatever he wanted, whenever he wanted, and God said, I can't receive that. Abel brought him the best and the first of what he had, and God said, I can receive that. Like This is the principle of first. The first matters. The first matters. This is about 2,500 years in history before we see the law, before we see Moses, because that's where a lot of people go when we talk about the tithe. We talk about giving. is like, that's under the law. I'm not under the law. Listen, I understand. We're not under the law. We're under grace, baby, and that's a good place to be. We're not, we're not under that, but... This Jesus said himself, I didn't come to get rid of the law. I come to fulfill the law. What does that mean? That means it doesn't do away with it. He just brought a better part on top of it. Right. Okay, so we know murder is part of the law. Thou shalt not murder. We know like, we shouldn't run around murdering people. God doesn't want us to murder. Jesus himself validated that part of the law. He said, if you even hate somebody, you have unforgiveness towards someone in your heart. You've already murdered them. In your heart, right? Jesus is kicking it up a notch. Emerald just got it from Jesus. Okay, he's kicking it up a notch. Same thing, right? Jesus is like with adultery. Adultery is part of the law. But we like Jesus said, hey, if you even look on somebody with lust, you've committed adultery in your heart. So we've got to be careful when we say, well, that's part of the law. That's not for us today. Like that was for them. Like we're going to gain some more understanding from Scripture of what God is saying to us. A little more maturity in us. Like God wants to take us deeper. He he doesn't want us to stay on the same level in our spiritual life as we've just always been. He wants us to go deeper, to be willing to let his spirit draw us into a place where we have more understanding, where we have more surrender to where he's called us to be, right? That's what God has for us. So here we see that from Cain and Abel and Adam. and, And we flip a few more pages forward to Genesis chapter 14, and we see Abram. This is his name is also Abraham, but his name hasn't been changed yet. So here's Abram. He's just gone out and defeated his enemies that came to attack him. He's defeated them. He's headed back home and see what the very first thing that happens is. Genesis 14, and verse 18, it says, then Melchizedek, the king of Salem, the word Salem means peace. So here we have the king of peace. He met Melchizedek, and he, Melchizedek brings out wine and bread. It's a representation right there of communion. It's a very symbolic moment of what's happening here, right? And it says that Melchizedek was priest of God Most High, and he blessed Abram. And he said, blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth. And praise be to God Most High who delivered your enemies to your, into your hand. And Check out what Abram did. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything gave him a tenth of everything. This is about 500 years before Moses and the law ever came to be. And you're like, okay, that's great. He defeated his enemies. He met Melchizedek. And if we just take it on the surface level, that's good. But we need to have a little deeper understanding of what the text is actually saying and what's actually happening in this moment. Because we know Abraham would then become, uh, Abram would become Abraham. And we know that he's the father of our faith, right? Galatians 3 tells us that if we're in Christ, then we're spiritually grafted into the family of Abraham. And Abraham becomes our spiritual father, right? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob would become part of that family spiritually we're grafted in. So here's the father of our faith showing us symbolically, like, this is how we're going to give, like, we're going to worship God in this way. The same way that Cain and Abel would have learned to worship God and bring offerings to him from their father, Adam, right? We also learn from our spiritual father, Abraham, how to bring offerings to our heavenly father. You're like, what does that have to do? He brought him to this guy, Melchizedek. I'm glad you brought that up because in Hebrews chapter 7, the writer tells us about Melchizedek, right? Aren't you glad your mama didn't name you Melchizedek? Melchizedek. Thank you, Jesus. But it says that Melchizedek, I just want you to think for a minute who this reminds you of. It says that he had no, no mother and no father, no genealogy, no beginning, no end. It says that he even resembled the son of God. Like So some theologians believe that Melchizedek was actually Jesus. Some say that he was just like uh, a, a representation, a heavenly representation of who Jesus should be. Whether, whether he really was Jesus or just this representation for us, like our spiritual father here is in this place, bringing the first thing of what he has, the first of what he has, and offering it as worship to this, this person who represents the king of peace. It's good. It's good right there. We forward a few more pages to Genesis chapter 28, and we see Jacob. So he's the grandson of Abraham. So you have Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, right? So here's Jacob. He's out in this field, and he's all alone, and he's sleeping on this rock, and he has this vision of angels going up and down the stairway up to heaven, right, back and forth. And it's in this place at this moment that God re- reestablishes his covenant with Jacob that he made with Abraham, right? And he says, I'll be your God, and, and, and he says, and I will make your Descendants, great, and through you and your family, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. So God is reaffirming, reestablishing His covenant with Jacob in this moment. And we know from the genealogies that we read in Scripture that Jacob didn't have the access to know, but Jesus would actually come through that family, and then we're here today because of Jesus. Not good. Right? So all the nations of the earth are blessed through Jesus. Right, So here he is in this moment. Jacob wakes up in this place. He's been sleeping on a rock and he says this place is awesome because this is surely where the Lord is. So he sets up a, a monument there out of stones to, to honor God and honor this experience, this covenant. And he says this in verse 22. He "says This stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. Again, representing that this is the place where God dwells. Like This is the place where we bring our offerings. And he says, and all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. I will bring this tithe to you. Again, this is four hundred years before the law. Right? So here we have the fathers of our faith establishing like like the place, even the place in how we worship God in this way, and how we bring our tithes and our offerings to Him. Then we fast forward to the law. And we see where tithing was defined by in, in the law as well, right? We see it in Leviticus chapter 27 and verse 30. It says, a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, it belongs to me. No, it belongs to, it's open book test, it belongs to the Lord. It's his. It's not yours. It's not mine. It's not our spouse's. It belongs to the Lord. Very good. It says, it is holy to the Lord. That word holy means set apart from common use. Set apart from common use. It belongs to him. I just, I know in my own life, there's been times where I didn't live this way. And I like, if we're talking specifically tithe, I kept the tithe and I spent it on my own use. Probably, if we're honest, all of us have. Maybe some of us are in that place now. We're spending something. We're using something that honestly doesn't belong to us. It belongs to him, and it's set apart from common use. And so often, we take these things that God entrusts to us, and we use it on things that are our own desires, sometimes things that even lead us into sin, and then we're wondering why God's blessing isn't there. Go take it beyond just money. What about our thoughts? Think about our brains for just a minute. The wonderful, beautiful, complex, amazing brain that we have in our head that was designed by our Heavenly Father. And how often we take that very thing does He have all the first of our thoughts? When you wake up in the morning, does He have your first thoughts? Oh, God, thank you for giving me life today. Or I can't believe I got to get up and go to work. It's so early, it's not even bright out yet. Right? Does he have the first of our thoughts? When something comes against you, some problem comes as your first thought, well, I guess it's in for me. You're like, no, God is faithful. Like, does he have the first of our thoughts? Because so often we take this mind that we have, this brain that we have, and we just fill it with garbage instead of filling it with his word. What's the first thing we put into it? Like, you understand what I'm saying? Like, the principle of first is in play in, in all these areas of our lives. See, we, we belong to him. We are not our own. We are bought with a price. Come on, somebody. That's why, that's why when we get to Malachi chapter 3, he calls it stealing. Okay? So, Malachi chapter 3 is the most famous. Verses most used verses on tithing and giving that there probably is we have probably all heard them maybe you didn't know It came from the book called Malachi in chapter three but today we're gonna look at that and here he's God is having a conversation with his people right he's having this conversation and I would say that as we read it today if you if you if you know the scripture now we have some more deeper understanding of of the history of and the spiritual concepts that are in play when we talk about tithing and giving we have a little bit more depth to us now so let's read. This with a new a new sense of what God is wanting to speak to us. Malachi chapter three and verse six. He says, I, the Lord, do not change. that 's Good right there. Because that's, we're like, Lord, thank you. You are the same yesterday, today and forever. You promised to bless me. You said I would have healing by your stripes, Jesus. I am healed, right? You're not going to change. You're going to love me in the future. I know there's forgiveness for my sins. All the ones from yesterday, all the ones that I'm commit today, all the ones that tomorrow, like, like he's good to us all the time. Isn't that a good place to say amen? And we get excited. God, you're going to do great things in my life, all these things. And, and we get excited on that part because God's going to do stuff for us. And then God's like, okay, now what are you going to do for me? And then we get quiet. Like, you want me to do, right? God, he says, I do not change. So this, ver- this passage right here is, is a- another reason that I personally believe that tithing is for us today. Because the Lord doesn't change. He's the same. Yesterday, if he said it yesterday, then he still means it today. He's not going to change his mind about, ah, you're, you're right. That was for yesterday. <laughs> yeah. No, nope, he said, I don't change. So the tithe is still his. It's still holy. It still needs to be set apart. It belongs to him. It's not mine. So he says, "I don't change." So you, the descendants of Jacob, we're the spiritual descendants of Jacob, because I don't change. You're not destroyed. But ever since the time of your ancestors, you've turned away from my decrees. You've not kept them. In other words, God is saying, Man, "Why do my people always seem to go off and do their own thing?" And if you have kids, sometimes you wonder that very thing. Like I told you not to do that. Why, right? Any parents? Right? God is. He's just in this moment, right? And it, but. No, that's the goodness of God, that no matter how many times we mess up or what we get wrong, that there's never a point of no return. There's never a point with God where he throws up his hands and he's like, I'm done, I'm out. You never get to that point with him because he loves us so much, because he's a good father to us. That's who he is. Ah, That's good right there. That's good. There's hope. There's hope. That's why we say there's, there's hope for our situation. And the good news is God always provides a way back. There's always a way back. Never. No matter how far you feel away from there, it's always way back. But it always requires us to have a course correction. There's a way back. He says in the next scripture, return to me and I'll return to you. That's a great promise right there. And James actually says the same thing. He says, if you draw near to me, guess what? I'm going to draw near to you. That's why we say God is always one step. Wherever you're at, you feel like he's a million miles away. He's actually just one step away. He says, return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. And here's this conversation. But you ask, how are we to return to you? So here's this conversation. He says, Will a mere mortal rob God? Hold up, God. We're talking about returning to you. He says, I know. Let me ask you this question. Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. Uh, God, how are we robbing you? You're up there. We're down here. Like, I can't even see you with my eyes. How am I robbing you? I never took anything from you. I didn't even take my chair from church. Like, I left it there so I'd have somewhere to sit next time. Like, I'm not robbing you. Like, they said the mints were free. Like, right? How are we robbing him? And he just says it plainly. He says in tithes and offerings. It's like mic drop. Tithes and offerings. Right? Like, oh. Right? Why, why would God say that? Because he understands the first is his. The first just belongs to him. It's, it belongs to him. This, but this is where it gets good because so many times we just want to close it off like tithes. But he's saying tithes and offerings. Like, we know tithe is returning the, the first 10% of what we're increased with to God through his church. Offerings is over and above that. Right, so we have three types of give the giving scripture outlines us the tithe, offerings over and above the tithes, and then alms. Alms is what we give to the poor, to someone who can never do anything to repay us. Right, we have all so he's saying, You're robbing me from this because you kept it all for yourself, you you, you spend it on other things, and, and you're a thief. Like it's just, it's just, it's just what the Bible says. And he says, Because of that, you're under a curse. Like I can't be involved in that, you're your whole nation because you're robbing me. He's saying, what you, what you just need to realize is the reason like you feel like you're in a hole and you're spinning your wheels and you can't get out is because like you've made it so I can't be involved. Like, I, I, can't, I can't bless that. I can't be part of that. So what do we do? How, what do we do? And he, he makes it clear. He says, hey, just bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Again, affirming like we don't decide where we get to return it to. So often we like, I I hear people, I gave some to this person and I gave some to the, listen, he says, bring it into my house. In Numbers, he says, bring it to the place where my name is made known. Like, he decides where it goes. Why? Because it's his, right? It belongs to him. And he says, test me in this. That's good. You know, this is the only place in scripture where God says, all right, test me in this. So like, we can literally say to him, okay, God, if, if that's really true, prove it. Prove it. It's the only place in scripture he says that. Have you ever wondered why he's, he said that? I mean, I, my thought is just that he knew the struggle that would exist in this realm. He knew the pressures we would face. He knew the battle the enemy would bring to our mind to try to, not to get us to do it. Why? Because we know our enemy is out to take us out. He doesn't want us to live under blessing. He wants to be under a curse where God can't be involved. Right? God knew, so he's like, go ahead, test me. I'll, I'll prove it. He knows the answers. He's got the key to the test. And listen, we do too. It's right there. It's the word. The word is the the keys, the answer to the test. Come on, you guys. So he says, test me in this and see. He's been telling us the answer. You test me and this is what's going to happen. I'll throw open the floodgates of heaven. Okay, we're talking about the principle of first today, right? The first matters. So let's think back for a minute. First reference to floods, to floodgates in the scriptures. Think about it. Back in the flood with Noah in the flood, it says, the fountain of the deep was broke open, right? Think about that picture for a minute and what happened when those floodgates in the deep were opened. The entire earth was covered in water. Everything was flooded. And Here he's saying, I'm going to throw open the floodgates in heaven over your life. You ain't, you ain't going to be able to contain uh, like it's just going to flood and spill over everywhere. You're going to have to find containers. You're going to just have to look everywhere to find like, what can I do with all this? Right. Why? Why would God do that? Right. And he goes on. He says, if that wasn't good enough, he says, I will even prevent pests from devouring your crops. A different translation says, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. For your sake. So this, this is a word like he's speaking it for us to help us. Like rebuke the devourer, what does that mean? That's a churchy way of saying, like, I'm gonna get I'm gonna stop the devil from interfering. Like, this is the answer to the holes in our pockets. The haggy I talked about. This is the answer to the I'm trying to do all this stuff and I'm not getting anywhere. Right? This is the answer because he said, I'm gonna rebuke the enemy, like I'm gonna get all up in the mix and like he ain't got nothing on what God is like. God gets on our side. That's a good place right there. He says and I'll keep the vines in your fields from dropping their fruit before it's ripe. So picture you have a fruit tree, and before the fruit is actually ripe, it just starts dropping it on the ground. And what happens then? You're in harvest season, but it's all been wasted, and you have no harvest on what you've planted. Here again, it's just illustrating the answer to what Haggai said. Like, you feel like you should have a harvest, but there was nothing there. I planted, but I harvested nothing. God is saying, I'm going to keep all that stuff from happening. You're going to have an abundant harvest in the harvest season. And, And why? Why would that happen. He says, then all the nations will call you blessed and yours will be a delightful land. See, this is why we're blessed to be a blessing. We are blessed so that we can bring influence and change so that we can bring hope and healing to our city. That's why we're blessed. We're blessed to bring it to our nation. We're blessed to bring it to the world. That's why we say we're a local church with a global vision. Because we want to bring Jesus to where the light is dim. We want to bring all of this hope, all the healing that he gave to us. We want to apply it to somebody else's life to see what he's gonna, God can do in their lives. Come on, that's why we're blessed. Say, I'm blessed to be a blessing. That's right, we're blessed to be a blessing. The first matters because it affects the rest. It affects everything else. If the first is given to God, then he can bless the rest. But if the first isn't, like, he's, I can't be involved in that. Like, my thoughts go to, like, well, can't God do anything? God, let me, let me tell you some things that, that God can't do. God can do anything inside of, of who he is, inside of his nature, okay? That means there are things that, like, he can't do. Like, God cannot lie, right? Why can't God lie? Because he is truth, He is truth, so he can't lie, right? God can't change. We just read it. He's the same yesterday, today, forever. He says, I do not change. Why can't God change? Because if he could change, he could get better. But he can't get better because he's the best. There's nobody better than him. Like, he can't do, like, like, right, right? Think about this. He he can't even think how we think, right? We think to figure things out, right? Uh, How is this going to work out? Like, God doesn't have to figure anything out. Like, you know, in those moments you're like, that's right. I just, I just figured, I just occurred to me. Nothing has occurred to God. He's never had to sit back and and get his pencil out and figure out how that, like, like, like scripture says, his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. He doesn't think the same way we do. He thinks differently. Here's another thing God can't do. God can't be second. Hey, he said, have no other gods before me. And. If you rewind Malachi to chapter one, he says to his people, he says, "Hey, y'all are bringing me blind and lame goats and sheep as your sacrifice," and he says, "I cannot accept it." It's pretty strong. Like he's saying, like I can't be part of that. God has to be first. He can only be first. And I would say if God's not first, like then He's not really part of it because He can't be. He can only be first. He can only be first. That's good. That's good. The good news is that if God's not first in our lives, he's still first in the universe. So come on. His his order priorities don't change because ours do. Right. Like, so we just got to realize we've got to begin to put him in first. And honestly, that's why he, he couldn't accept Cain's offering, because, right, Cain brought him whatever he wanted, when he wanted. Right? In the course of time, Cain brought him an offering. He couldn't accept that because it wasn't the first the principle of first. It's all throughout Scripture. It affects the rest. It affects the rest. So let's get real practical. Can we do that? we we've we've, we've we've we're understanding a little deeper in there. And, and I say let's get practical because my heart behind this series has has really been like I believe honestly like we're generous people. People who follow Jesus, like all of us in this room, like like by and large we want to be generous and we are generous. Some of us even have you have a gift inside of you that God put there. And you like every time we start talking about missions or we start talking about, you know, building or we're talking about hope trucks or buying gifts for kids, something inside of you like, yes, I'm going to buy 100 gifts for kids. Right. You just have this because God put this gift inside of you to like you want to like you have this gift of giving. But some of us are honestly like we can't because we just we don't have enough even this whole idea of like beginning to put God first financially and and tithing and bringing offerings You're like pastor that sounds really good but i'm just i'm like I'm maxed out. Like, I'm over budgeted. I, I, I can barely pay the bills I have. Now you're wanting me to, you're just talking about giving. I got to put God first. I can't even do that. And that's been my heart in this series is that we'd begin to understand some principles. We'd begin to make some changes in our lives to get out of debt, to get in a better place, to get our feet on a better path to where we are living generous because that's the life God has called us to live. So man, that, that's been my heart. And so how do we do that? How do we begin to live this way? And so I want to talk through some practical things today. Like, so, so, like, if, if we were to gain $1,000, can we just all pretend like we have $1,000 in our hand? Everybody's smiling when you have pretend like there's a 1000 th- right? So if you get $1,000, what's the tithe on $1,000? $1, 100 bucks, right? It's the first 10%. So if I have 10 $100 bills in my hand, it still makes me smile just saying it. 10 $100 bills in my hand, which one is the tithe? The first one. Which one is the first one? We could say the top one. I would even take it a step further and just say the first one that leaves, that goes somewhere, right? Right, the first one that goes somewhere. That's good. Because what? what, I I mean, I've I've been in this place in my own life where I like I I get my I get paid and I get my money. I'm like, okay, this is this is for the mortgage company. This is utilities. Now this is food. Got to put gas in the car. And okay, this part is God's. That part's not God. That's that part isn't God's. God's is the first. I gave the first part to the mortgage company problem is mortgage company doesn't have the power to bless my finances and every other area of my life. And what happens when we live this way, and I know because Heather and I lived this way for a long time and is why we experienced so many problems and so much loss in our lives. I talked about it in, in, in previous weeks and we had to get our lives back in alignment, make some different changes because we're, I was saying, OK, I've got this for the mortgage. I've got this for food. I've got this for utilities. And oh, I've, I've got this little bit left, God. Here you go. God's like, I can't even receive. You might just keep it. Might as well just because He He can't be involved in that because it's He's it's not first. We got we got to be willing to make some some changes in life. You know, God doesn't eat leftovers, and I hope you're not eating your Thanksgiving leftovers anymore either. If you are, you just need to throw them out when you get home because they ain't good no more. I grew up, uh, you know, my mom was a single mom, and I grew up eating leftovers, and I loved it. You know, like, what's the problem? Reheat some food. Pop it in the microwave, baby. We got a new meal. It was good. Like, that's how I grew up, and I loved it. When I met my wife, Heather, she did not love it. (laughs) She did not like leftovers, and she did not like to eat them, and she actually refused to eat them. And I'm like, excellent. More for me. But... (laughs) She do, even to this day like she does not like leftovers and and that's good. I had to make some adjustments in my own life to you know serve my wife better and but God doesn't like leftovers either. Like He doesn't want this little like He can only be first. So that's why I say like if that's like. We're going to make some changes in our life. So how do we do that? So I want to give us a couple things in our lives that we're going to do because, listen, we're not going to be legalistic about it because we know we're under grace. So we're not, we're not bound to the law. It's not chaining us up. We're not going to be legalistic about it. So for me, I get paid on a Friday, typically on a Friday, Okay. So a lot of us get paid on Friday, maybe the 1st and 15th, right? So for me, I get paid on a Friday, but I love to do my text to give, like, during service when we're all worshiping together. Like, I love to just text right there, and I do that, and that's how I like to give. So does that mean on Saturday, if I go to Publix and I buy some groceries, at well, get, well, Heather, I guess we're cursed now because we're we, <laughs> no, right? Because well, I, it, it's about the heart. So I've – Scripture says, Paul wrote about in the New Testament, he says, when you give a like, purpose in your heart, I've already decided in my heart, this part is yours, God. This part is yours. And for me, personally, like, I take it a step further. So we have an app that we use to help us with our budgeting. And if you don't have a budget, you need a budget. We have an app. And the first two categories in the budget are tithes and offerings. I, I, I Like, even before I list anything else, like, God, I just want you to know, like, you are first. Like that—that's how we, we experience so much loss. Like we just had to make some drastic changes. And if you've ever experienced loss, you know, like it takes some changes. And sometimes you just gotta get real intense about it. That's what, like, God, I want you to be first in every little area. So, and same thing. When I get that, when I get paid and that money magically shows up with a direct deposit, and like I start assigning every dollar a job in my budget, right? Because when we budget, every dollar gets a job. So you know what the first jobs are? Tithes and offerings. So if I go to Publix on Saturday, like, God, I've already this is already yours, I'm, and I'm going to give it here. But this is yours. Like I've, I've decided, I've purposed in my heart this belongs to Him. It's set apart, right? I've set apart. So what do we do? How do we do that? Here's the first way. You'll never be able, you'll never afford be able to afford to tithe until you begin to do it. Okay, you will just never be able to afford to tithe until you begin to do it, right? That's just how it is. It's the same thing, right? With getting up early in the morning and reading your Bible early, right before you go to work, early morning prayer, right? you never see the value in it until you do it. You never understand how it will change your day completely until you do it. Same thing with forgiveness. You'll never understand how much freedom you will experience until you actually forgive somebody. You just you have to begin to do it before you are able to experience the power of it. We need to begin to do it. The second one is this, we need to make some adjustments. We need to just change some things in our life. We have to take an honest look and ask some hard questions. And I know it, it produces some hard conversations because me and Heather we've had those hard conversations and it wasn't it wasn't pretty. There was some you know Hard conversations, you know, for married couples sometimes can produce to, you know, maybe sleep facing the wall or whatever. Like, but can I just tell you, like, have the hard conversation? Have the bad day, have the hard conversation because the fruit of that going forward is going to be better days. But if you're never willing to have the hard conversation, then you're just going to have more and more pain, more and more struggle, more and more frustration. We've got to have those conversations. We've got to honestly look at our lives and be willing to make changes. Right, some of us just need to start by cutting some things out of our lifestyle. I'm gonna step on somebody's toes this morning, like you know, some like and sometimes we just don't even know where our money is going. <laughs> I didn't realize how much we spent, you know, at whatever place. I didn't realize I spent 25% of my budget at Starbucks last month. We just. Like, that's the power of a budget, though, where you begin to see, get get you a chart, get you a graph, and put all your expenses in there and begin to see, like, oh, I'm spending this much here. And be like, wow, this is really a priority to me. I had no idea this thing had crept in and become a priority in my life. We need to do that. Some of us need to cut out, you know, if you're the Starbucks person, well, you're struggling in your finances. You need to put God first. You know what? It's time to make some changes. Is cable good to have? Sure. It's great to be able to, flip through a thousand channels and see what's on, but is it necessary? No, right? We need to be willing to make some changes. Some of us just need to get a little more help, be willing to ask for help. That's why we have Financial Peace University, and we're going to be offering it in, in, in January uh, nine-week class. It's by Dave Ramsey. We're going to be offering it here. And in fact, next week, I'll invite you to come back because we're going to be doing a drawing. We're going to scholarship a family to go through financial peace. It usually costs 95 bucks. Church is going to pay for it to put a family through because we want to see it into you so you can come next week, get in that drawing. We're going to draw it right here in service. you got to be here to win it. We want to, we want to set, help get, we want to help get people on the right path so we're like but make a plan for it now it starts in january but begin to make a plan for it now begin to make the discussion about hey we're going to get into this we're going to go through this plan we're going to get out we're going to cut some things out we just need to learn to cut some things out there's a great great rule to begin to apply to our life it's called the 10 10 80 rule i'm going to give 10 i'm going to save 10 and learn to live on 80 percent of the income that i have right like we need to make some changes in our lives here's the third one the most important one As we wrap up today is we need to put God first in every area of our life, in every area. So often we get fixated on one area, but the truth is God wants to be first in every area. He wants to be first in our thoughts. He wants to be first in our day. Have you ever felt like, man, I don't have enough hours in the day? Well, I would say you didn't give God the first part of your day. Have you ever felt like you just have chaos swirling around in your mind and it's just like, I can't think straight. And I got like, did you give God the first thoughts? Did you give him the first? Because we know what happens when we give him the first, like God rushes in and he says, Hey, I got you. I'm going to, I'm going to pour out so much, like, like we know what happens there. Look what Jesus said, Matthew twenty-three, in this area about putting God first, the principle of first. He says, "What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, you, Harris, you, you, you Pharisees, you hypocrites? The people who say it's just the law, and I've just got to make sure that every little thing is kept up." Right? He goes on. He says, "For you are careful to tithe even the tiniest little income from your herb garden. Like you, you're so focused on keeping the law and trying to do every little thing to be more spiritual, to make sure that you you have." right. And when you do it, you make everyone else around you feel bad because they're not as spiritual as you. And if they're not doing as much as you, then because you're keeping every tiny little thing. But look at what Jesus says. But you ignore the most important aspects of the law, justice and mercy and faith. Yes, you should tithe, but don't neglect the most important things. So he's saying, hey, God wants to be first in every part. Not just the little part. It's not about keeping up with the legalism and making sure that every... No, no, he says, we live by grace, but, but God needs to be first in every area, in every area. If he's not first in every area of our lives, then he's not involved. God wants to be first in every area of our lives. And he's saying, like, yeah, we should do those things. We should be full of grace. We should be quick to forgive. We should be full of hope and joy. We should be full of, of justice and truth. We should, we should give. We should be generous. Come on. God needs to be first in every year. Why don't we just, in this moment, pray together, all together. Just just begin to talk to God. And, and, and I believe that God is, even now, beginning to speak to our hearts. Because truth is, all of us have an area in our lives. God's probably not first. Something else has crept in. Lord, I thank you that you're speaking to us in this place right now.